Support for Market Foolery comes from our friends at Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. Home plays a big role in your life. That's why Quicken Loans created Rocket Mortgage. It lets you apply simply and understand the entire mortgage process fully so you can be confident you're getting the right mortgage for you. To get started, go to rocketmortgage.com/fool. It's Wednesday, October 25th. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill joining me in studio today from Motley Fool Asset Management, Bill Barker. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. There's no way with this theme this week, overrated, underrated candy, there was no way you were not going to be on this week. So I appreciate you being here. I appreciate being asked. We're going to get into earnings, though, because earnings season is starting to heat up. And we should just start with the utter dumpster fire that is Chipotle. Uh, shares of Chipotle down 15% after a third quarter report that was, in almost every way possible, a debacle. Both in terms of the results and the comments from management, when Steve Ells comes out and says, "We're going to slow down the store openings over the next twelve to eighteen months, so we can get the fundamentals right." You are angry. Yes, personally. Yes, you're personally angry about Chipotle, Stephen Ells, mm-hmm. and it's not just about the hit to your investment, is it? Uh, it's not. Although it's probably worth mentioning that I no longer have an investment of Chipotle because this was this was the straw that broke this particular camel's back, and I sold my shares this morning. Oh, okay, yeah. So you're out for revenge now. Uh, I'm not out for revenge. I'm just. I'm. Why not? (laughs) What's wrong with you after what Stephen Ells has done to you? He's taken food out of the mouths of your children. Well, no, I no, it's not that. It's really not that. And and just to dig further into sort of what happened here, when the report came out last night after the market closed, the stock dropped about six percent just on the results. Yes. And then management started opening their mouths and talking, and that's what propelled the stock to fall even further to a point where it's at its lowest point since late 2012. Yeah. Yeah, it was a tough quarter, as Chipotle is now used to having, or its shareholders are used to seeing reported. What What did you think when you looked at this? Uh, well, I thought that they were uh, sort of an average company. You know, I mean, at this point, uh, look, if, if you just did take a number of steps back from all the different prices that this stock used to be at, and you say that uh, comps were uh, up about what was it? About four percent. Four percent or so. Four percent. All right, that's not too bad. Comps four percent. But of course, that was coming after last year's uh, quarter, where comps were down twenty some percent. Yes. Uh, so you expected probably to see much stronger comps than that uh, following a very easy uh, quarter year ago, and it didn't show up. And and they are, you know, opening stores, but not at a fast rate now. The comps are. Low single digits, and maybe that's the number you should expect going forward. Uh, but off of you know which base are you talking about? They don't quite know uh, exactly how to get uh, get to the right level of profitability on on their restaurants because of some moving parts on um, minimum wage and and do they have too many employees or too few employees? I mean, they they strike me as a company. That is uh, in the middle of the pack, and they're still priced like a company that is much better than that. You know, their price-to-earnings ratio is still around sixty. 
And my issue with Steve Ells is that I've seen this movie before. I, we've we've and we've and it's not just me. I, I mean, I shouldn't personalize this. We've we have. Heard- I think you should because <laughs> this is what people are tuning in for. Because normally you're not an extremely angry guy. I'm angry on this one, right? <laughs> this is what this is. This is a no, unique we, opportunity. So we, I say, explore that anger. <laughs> yeah, but get some room to vent. I, I can't. I can't go so far as to change the little designation on this episode of the podcast where you have to put on iTunes. You have to put the little red E that designates explicit content because I, I I don't want to do that. This is a family show, so we don't want to do that. But we have we have heard this. Before from Stephen Ells, and and when I say this, what I'm referring to is, uh, in a general sense, we've heard repeatedly over the last, I would say, six seven years from Steve Ells. Well, give us more time. First, it was back in 2011, 2012, when they back then were opening stores at a pretty slow rate, and I wasn't even a shareholder then, but I was asking our analysts, well, why why aren't they opening more quickly? And the answer was. From management, well, we we take our time. We don't franchise. It's really important that we train our managers so that they follow the food with integrity program. And and okay, fine, that makes sense. Uh, then it was the shop house concept, and it somehow they were not able to make that work and kept saying, "Well, give us time, give us time." And as I've said before, uh, they closed down shop house because in America, I guess uh, people don't like Chinese food. Which is, of course, not even remotely the case. Somehow they couldn't make it work, and now Els again. It's it's almost baffling to me that a company this mature, that a restaurant this mature, can talk about. We need to slow down so we can get the fundamentals right. This is not this is not some cutting edge new restaurant that flips over its menu every three months. It was the biggest deal in the world for them earlier this year when they announced, you know what we're going to do? We're going to bring queso to the menu. And that did not work out well at all. Uh, well, and, and okay, so this is where the sort of standard that they're held to in a lot of ways. They brought out queso, which is not that big a deal, right? I mean, you've got some cheesy food or whatever queso actually is. What exactly is queso? It's it's cheese. Cheesy but, food. But apparently, uh, someone uh, at Chipotle decided, you know what people really want in their queso? They want all natural ingredients. No. If we wanted all natural ingredients, we wouldn't be eating queso. That's why we eat queso. <laughs> I'll have the veggie burrito if I want to go uh, with a slightly healthier option, or a bowls, whatever. But... Uh, right, so the, there was this a huge expectation, like, oh, they're they're introducing this, and this is going to be a big thing, and it's really not a big thing, uh, since there was already other versions of cheese in, available to uh, put into your burrito, and uh, and so it's got weirdly high expectations, uh, still priced into the stock. I think weirdly high expectations for this company. Part of that is because there was a time. I say weirdly high because I'm comparing the price of the stock, $275 a share, even after a $50 a share collapse today, uh, with the earnings, which are you know on pace to I don't know be like six bucks or five bucks or something this year uh, a share. This is uh, a, a stock which visited $14 a share earnings not all that long ago. So. 
That's or fifteen dollars actually two years ago. So on that basis, if they could get back to that level of operational efficiency, which they're not on a path to at the moment, then it wouldn't be that overpriced. Uh, but they they do seem a little bit lost at, at the moment. They do, and uh, I could talk about this for another twenty minutes, but that would be terrible. So we're not going to do that. I think if you did it at a high volume, <laughs> then it would be no. Here's here's more, a lot more entertaining, mostly to me. Probably not to anybody else. Maybe only to you. Uh, no, the, the the broader point I'll make, because not everybody owns shares of Chipotle, and, and obviously, based on what's happening this morning, even fewer people own it. This is a good reminder, um, and we've seen this recently with other larger companies, that the concept is not broken here. We saw this with McDonald's when Steve Easterbrook took over. We saw this with Microsoft when Satya Nadella came over. Both of those were incredibly mature, very stable businesses that had stocks that weren't lighting the world on fire. And you can see how great management can propel a business and a stock higher. And if they had put up this quarter, and Steve Ells came out this morning and said, effective immediately, I'm stepping down as CEO, and I've paid a king's ransom to steal Steve Easterbrook away from McDonald's so he can run Chipotle. Not only would I not have sold my shares, I would have gone out and bought more. But that's just not the case. Again, the concept is not broken, but under current management, to me, this is a classic reminder of why management matters. And in this case, the business is fine, the management is broken. Well, a management doesn't seem to have the right reins on where to take this thing. I would agree with that. They've, they've Started a number of other, uh, you know, idea concepts that haven't gone anywhere. From the shop house to the pizza to the burgers, and meanwhile, there is a lot to uh, improve at Chipotle. It's really sort of eerie at times going into one these days at how uncontaminated the restaurants are with people. Right. Let's move on uh, to healthcare. Uh, shares of Anthem hitting a new high after Anthem's third quarter profits came in much higher than expected. Same for their revenue and their raised guidance. Uh, here's a business that's really crushing it. Profits are are booming. I mean, uh, they're making tons of money, right? Right. You tell me. You're the analyst. They're not. They're really not. And and so the narrative that uh, healthcare companies and this is one of the so Anthem is is uh, used to be known as WellPoint and and it's uh, got a, a bunch of Blue Cross Blue Shield uh, at the state level. That's that's the name that you would look for. And it's uh, the stock has done really well. And yet, uh, why is that? It's making. Almost exactly as much money as it made 10, 11 years ago. Really hasn't moved. Really hasn't moved very much. If you go back to 2006, uh, this is uh, pre Obamacare. Uh, they were making uh, $3 billion a year in net income um, off of uh, $51 million in, in revenues. And uh, they're now $2.98 billion off of uh, 82 billion in revenues. So why is the why is the company done so well? Why have shareholders done well? Uh, it's almost entirely due to buybacks. And for a long time, especially in the wake of fears about Obamacare, uh, this was a high quality company and you could buy back its shares 
for about seven, eight, nine times earnings. And you know who did buy back shares? They did. The company. <laughs> the company did. So they had trust in, in their business, and now shares go for about 16 times, but they're really making about the same amount. Um, they just have uh, less than half the number of shares that they had back then. So you've got a multiple 2x, and on about less than half the number of shares, that's why investors have managed to more or less quadruple their investment over that time period. Not because, and, and there have been a little bit of dividends that they've started. Uh, they've got better management now than they had back in uh, 09, 10. Uh, so it's a decently managed company, but it's this the story that like healthcare profits are exploding uh, is incorrect. When you see as, as applied to insurers, and there are reasons for that too, of course, because the, the part of the Obamacare mandate limits the profit that they actually can make uh, that they need to provide. Nearly, you know, uh, I won't get into all the numbers, but they they are not able to just pocket profits. It has to be paid out in terms of you know insured uh, payables. So when you see. Uh, this type of pattern from a, a business, whether it's Anthem or AutoZone, as we've talked about before, which uh, a, a huge part of what has propelled that stock over the last 20 years has been their buying back of stock. Do you, as an analyst, do you get excited when you see that, when you're looking at businesses at Motley Fool Asset Management, when you're thinking, well, what could we buy from one of the funds? Do you get excited about that? Or do you just think, oh, it's, yeah, that's working for them, but that's, that's not necessarily uh, the sign of a great lasting business? Because well, one way to look at that is, well, that's financial engineering. It's effective financial engineering, but it's it's not like wow they're really doing a great job of growing their business. Well, it's capital allocation, and in the case there there are two very different things here, and we've owned both of them in the funds at times. We don't own Anthem now, uh, unfortunately, because it's had a, a good run over the last twelve months. But we did own it for a lot of the uh, run that it's had, and uh, it was a company. In, in sort of 09, 10, 11, going sort of nowhere. And the management, when they weren't buying back shares, the capital allocation was not very good. They bought 1-800-CONTACTS, which was a huge mistake, sold it for a big loss. Um, the CEO is no longer with the company. But the buying back the shares, just looking at our, the markets letting us buy back our shares for seven, eight, nine times earnings, and we could pay a dividend. They eventually did pay a dividend, where we could just buy back our shares. Uh, that was the, that was the right capital allocation, much better than the uh, the one eight hundred contacts. Uh, AutoZone has had, and the reason it's it's uh, I'm going to have to say had instead of has, it had this. Um, the compounding not only came from buying back the shares, but Taking all the cash flow that it had, and there was no, you know, legal mandate on not making too much money in their business with the way there is with healthcare. So they were taking uh, that money, the cash flow, and opening a lot of new stores. Now uh, that's that's got a multiplier effect when you're opening a lot of new stores by virtue of having a larger operation, being able to improve your margins. 
and buying back shares, and they also took on debt to do so. So they had sort of like four different things that were that were man, you know, manufacturing this end of the line number, this bottom bottom line, huge increase in earnings per share that was disproportionate to the growth of the business itself. All of that has run into oh, Amazon is going to now be a more effective competitor. Once Amazon decides, uh, oh, why don't we get into the healthcare, you know, uh, health insurance business? For various reasons, that's unlikely. But uh, I don't think any of uh, the uh, people out in uh, health insurance would be happy if Amazon were able to do that. I think that, which it cannot. I think that's probably true. Uh, Grubhub's third quarter revenue was up thirty two percent. Profits down slightly from a year ago, but I don't think that matters because it's Grubhub and they're in growth mode and uh, shares up as a result of that. They are in growth mode, uh, growing by about thirty percent uh, a year right now, something like that, and. Becoming more relevant, and we'll get back to the ways in which Amazon affects Grubhub, uh, because that's that's the big impediment. They've had a share price that has bounced around a little bit. It's been a very good year because they are the largest in the the food delivery business, have more restaurants under their umbrella, and the economics of what they do for restaurants is is very helpful. So restaurants are. Uh, encouraged to partner with them. Uh, now, that is an economic equation that Amazon has spotted as something it also could do. And uh, the announcement that Amazon was expanding uh, its operations and partnering uh, with one of Grubhub's competitors uh, gave a little pause to what has otherwise been a, a very a uh, nice straight line up for Grubhub uh, for most of the year in terms of the stock price, but underlying the business up thirty percent in terms of uh, earnings is pretty good. Yeah, the stock with the bump today it's up about forty five percent year to date. Although I was I was looking through uh, I was on Google Finance and one of the headlines that popped out at me uh, that made me think of you was a, a headline about Grubhub just in the wake of this report and. The headline was: "Is Grubhub attractively priced?" Question mark. I'm I'm guessing you would say no, <laughs> given the expense relative to their earnings. Uh, no, is I Grubhub mean, uh, attractively priced as a, as a business or as a stock? Take it whichever way you want. Well, what was the article about? You're you're springing knowledge on me. As as a stock, is this an attractively priced stock right now? It. Is if you believe that the growth can continue uh, along the lines that it has, you know, they, they don't have to compound at thirty percent for very long to justify the price of the stock. Uh, the question is Amazon, and I, there aren't that many other competitors that Grubhub need fear because they've bought out a lot of the local operations. Uh, that is uh, part of their growth is is acquisitions. It's not all organic. Uh, if it were purely organic, you'd really be delighted. Uh, so, the, I think the economics of the business for Grubhub are attractive. That does invite competition from Amazon, and that is part of the equation. You've got to discount what their growth, how long their growth can mimic the recent past, given Amazon's increased uh, presence in that space. Is it attractively priced? 
I don't know. I've got I've got to look a little bit further. The numbers we own it in the Great America Fund, um, and we haven't. Uh, we were purchasers earlier this year, so we're happy with what it's done during the time that we've owned it, and we're, we you know we're not selling it anytime soon because we tend to be long term investors. Before we dip into the mailbag, I want to say thanks to our friends at Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. Chances are you're confident when it comes to your work, your hobbies, and your life. Maybe you're confident when it comes to Halloween next week in terms of what you're going to be giving out for candy. Or your costume, if you're a costume person. Rocket Mortgage gives you that same level of confidence when it comes to buying a home or refinancing your existing home loan. Rocket Mortgage is simple. It allows you to fully understand all the details and be confident that you're getting the right mortgage for you. To get started, go to rocketmortgage.com. Equal housing lender, licensed in all 50 states, nmlsconsumeraccess.org, number 3030. Halloween. Can, can I just talk about that seg a little bit? Sure, yeah. Is this okay? Sometimes I'm allowed to talk about the commercials. Sometimes I'm not. I mean, if you're going to disparage our, our sponsors, I'm we, not. We have, I'm not. We have, I'm not going to. It's it's more your your effort uh, to to introduce the the confidence, yeah. which underlies the this this message of theirs with today's topic of of handing out candy. Have you ever been unconfident in the candy candy you're handing out? Like, are you sure we should go with this, dear? Um. Yes, actually. Really? Yeah. I, I mean, not. It's it's not been. A Were you cri- handing out apples or, or like? Uh, it was not a crippling lack of confidence, but it, like anything else, that would be sad, wouldn't it? That would be crippling sad. lack of confidence. In the candy. In your, oh no! Oh. Don't answer the door. The candy is. They're not, gonna hate oh, us. Oh no! They're gonna egg the house. Gonna... Uh, no, not not on that level. But as as, as you and I are both um, uh, experienced, as anyone. Who has a longtime spouse or partner knows there are there are trade-offs that you make in your relationship. There are compromises that you re- reach in your relationship, and sometimes those are about very important things, and sometimes those are about incredibly trivial things. And in the case of what candy is our house going to give away for Halloween, that's a very trivial thing. That doesn't mean there haven't been. Maybe not disagreements in my home, but certainly, certainly conversations that sort of go like this: "Oh, you bought that? You, you, you think we should? All right, uh, yeah, no, we can give that away. I, yeah, I mean, I, I guess, yeah, sure. No, 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 that's I wouldn't have bought it, but that's fine. We're giving it away. It's free candy. That's no, we can totally give that away. Yeah, that's that's one of the. As opposed that's to one of the dumber fights to pick that I. I oh yeah, it sounded like you were ready to. Pick a fight there? No, 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 no. You, you, or, or as you said, that's a dumb <laughs> fight to pick. So it's ne- it never escalates to fight. It's more of a no. That's that. That's your choice. That wouldn't have been mine, but that's fine. It's yeah. totally fine. We're, it's candy we're giving away. I, it's pretty easy. You buy the candy that you want to eat because if any is left over, I mean, you're not All, right. Although some well, that's a philosophical thing, isn't it? Because sometimes it's the. I bought this candy specifically because I don't like it. If there's leftover candy, uh, I don't want to eat it. So I, if this is in the house, I'm not going to eat it. So is there's, that your strategy? Uh, no, my strategy <laughs> is uh, buy the candy that I like and hope that we don't get right. a lot of kids showing up. Yeah. Um, speaking of candy showing up, big shout out to longtime listener Jerry Villani of Cleveland, Ohio, who sent a box with. A, a, a beautiful letter. I won't read the whole letter, but uh, he wrote out this letter where essentially Jerry listened to 
Go back in time to October of 2016. Jerry uh, listens to Market Foolery and Motley Fool Money and heard what various people had to say about candy and their different preferences and sent a huge box. I'd never heard of this. I don't know if our if your colleague down at Motley Fool Asset Management, Greg Haygood, who's a proud son of the land. Um, I don't know if he's familiar with this uh, candy store called B.A. Sweetie Candy Company, which I went to the website and it claims to be the largest, and I'm assuming they're going by square foot, but it claims to be the largest candy store in America. But anyway, Jerry went down to this enormous candy store, bought all these different candies for different people, including you and me, and um, and uh, the the part of the letter that refers to you, I'll just read. Uh, Jerry writes, My big regret is that the store no longer stocks Curly Whirlies, which was Bill Barker's favorite. And considering Bill Barker is my favorite guest, I hope he is happy with the box of 70s candy that I chose for him instead. And it's a box uh, that says, Sugar Memories of the 50s, 60s, and 70s. And that's, first of all, incredibly generous and thoughtful of Jerry to do that. And in and in the case of what he bought specifically for you, uh, prescient, because you are since you were you were born in the '40s, right? So you you remember that this is the child, this is the candy of your youth in the '50s, '60s, and I, '70s. I'm like a year older than you. <laughs> you were you clear weren't up born, the record. You weren't born in the '40s. Um, <laughs> Not if you weren't. No. Uh, so thank you to Jerry and and thanks also to uh, uh, Rod Rickson, uh, Rod Nixon, excuse me, a uh, a listener in New Mexico who sent uh, and I think I'm going to tweet this out on the Market Flurry feed. He sent a link to a candy bracket that he put together online last year, and it's like the NCAA basketball tournament where there are 64 teams. He put together a candy bracket of 64 different candies, a number you know four different regions. Number one seed against the number sixteen seed, et cetera, et cetera. So thank you to Rod for that. Uh, can we get to your overrated and underrated candy? Yeah. I, uh, first of all, I just have to, uh, you know, you got to thank. I mean, you have the box in front. I of you. I have the box in front of me. I, I, I'm, I'm just, uh, I'm overwhelmed. Uh, and and uh, thank you. I, I actually, you know, if we could balance that, because I am so bad. At taking anything um, resembling a compliment, I just that that I would be anybody's favorite is just could we just read something from that guy that won't listen uh, when I'm on just to balance it out? <laughs> uh, no, we're not going to do that. <laughs> I would be more comfortable. But uh, I mean, I'll just I'll just say that um, just as as Jerry has said that uh, you're his favorite uh, guest uh, from time to time at Market Floor. At fool.com, uh, we get the occasional, oh, just so you know, when Bill Barker's on, I don't listen. I skip that episode. Yeah. It's like, that's fine. That's fine. And I've said this before everybody is someone's favorite, and everybody is someone's least favorite. Right. Uh, so I, I could go through this whole box. We don't uh, have time for that. Okay. Our are man behind the glass up? has got a really tight schedule today. So, so, so where are we? Um, Overrated, underrated candy. That's what we're doing all week. So, in your mind, do you have to come up with a new one every day? No, no, no. Why I've, not? Uh, it's my show, man. Exactly. <laughs> um, no, I, I'm sticking by the Skittles is overrated and Take Five is underrated. I, you know, I'm going to go with Licorice is overrated. Do you think Licorice, if Licorice were a stock, it would be trading at a particularly high premium right now? I think that Licorice. I, one is, of my one of my nephews said that about Twizzlers. He's like, like Twizzlers are so overrated. I said I don't I don't think Twizzlers are 
you may be right about that, but let's not confuse them with some ubiquitous candy that's in your face all the time. Yeah, they're overrated in my house. Uh, Twizzlers, a uh, big favorite, uh, but not with me. Okay. I think if licorice were coming out today, it would get nowhere, right? It would just not be able to compete. Okay. That's- it's just trading on nostalgia, I think. You may be right about that. Yeah, I mean, obviously, there's no way to test that, but that's an interesting way to think about that. Well, right? uh, the time machine, you could. Oh, right. Yeah, of course. <laughs> Don't say there's no way to test it. <laughs> uh, in terms of underrated candy, what's what, what's a, a candy stock that you would buy if it were a stock? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with um, the Hershey's Almond Bar, and I'll tell you why it's underrated. You get you get it as a kid, and you, and you immediately filed under like oh the bad one yes right that was my memory because when you're a kid you can't appreciate the almonds and and you just want the hershey's chocolate and actually the almonds work pretty well in there so if you give it a try now you'll say hey this is not a bad one this is a this is a pretty solid candy bar i'm eating and whereas as a kid you were just like can i trade this to you know somebody for something without the almonds uh, yes, and knowing what we know now about almonds and how ostensibly healthy they are, you you can just if you're one of those people who's like on a if you're like a Brian Hinman who's just super healthy, you can just be like, oh yeah, I'm I'm eating this thing because I'm getting the protein from the almonds. Yeah, I'm not promoting it on the health factor. <laughs> we just do that with coffee. I'm just saying with rationalization, you can do that. Yeah. By the way, isn't that one of the great? Um, in in some ways, if you think about the when you talk about trading Halloween candy, that is, I guess in hindsight, that was maybe my first exposure to uh, the stock market. It's like a kid version of the stock market, where you're basically you're placing value on your candy and the other kids' candy, and it's not always a one for one. It's a Oh, you really want this one thing I have? All right, well, how badly do you want it? You're going to have to pay up for this thing. You really want my Hershey's Almond Bar? All right, you're going to have to give me a bunch of take fives. Bill Barker from Molly Full Asset Management. Thanks for being here. Thank you. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So, don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's going to do it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show is mixed by Dan Boyd. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you tomorrow. <laughs>